Thanks, man. Yep, thanks, buddy. And uh, I might go play some of the game now. <laughs> Ooh. What are you going to play? Uh, Goldeneye. Well, no, 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 but what level? Uh, what level? Um, I'll probably end up starting it from the top and then only make it to two levels or so. <laughs> What do you think is the What do you think is the best multiplayer map? What was your favorite one? I think we played Stack a lot. With Stack is the one that's like gray, right? It's got it's it's like the green, uh, and like it's two color walls. So like the green on the bottom and then like gray on the top, and it's like yeah, a bunch of different height. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember Stack. We played. We used to play Facility a lot. Facility was a popular one too. Um, and there's also, uh, which was, um, I don't, there was also another one where you were in, like, the bathroom. Which one was that one? Ooh, uh, there was, like, it, maybe that was called or something? That, yeah, like, Bunker. There was definitely one called Bunker or something. Yeah. yeah all right. Well, we, 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 we've talked long enough. Yeah. Thank you very much, everybody. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome back to the Long Lost Heroes podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Frank, here with AJ. How's it going, buddy? It's going very well, Frank. How are you? Doing well. Still under our self-quarantine. Um, really, probably at the beginning of it all still, even though it's felt like a, a long week. Um, yep. How, how's, how are you holding up? Oh, you know, I only had one panic attack so far today, and it was okay, but... You know, I'm doing fine. Uh, it's good to be here with Shayna and Einstein. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're going, we're moving through time. I think that's, you know, I feel, really feel bad for all the people that don't have roommates or, or, uh, or live alone or don't yeah. have a pet. Like, that's got to be rough. But, you know, we, yeah. we at least have our significant others and our doggies to keep us occupied. That's true. Have some sort of social interaction. Even though if one of us gets it, both of us will get it. Yep. Ship goes down together. Yeah. Um, so, as we mentioned on our last episode, we are embarking on a new journey in the absence of new films coming out and um, and the absence of a, a show that we could agree on to cover. <laughs> right. Um, so, we are going to cover all of the James Bonds um, and the adjacent uh, franchises that we felt like we would like to compare to uh, because... We're not going to see No Time to Die next month. Yep. Um, it is now in November. So uh, since we're going to be home for a long time, we're going to watch them all and record episodes covering them and discuss all the highs and lows and the silliness in between um, between now and, and November. And, you know, hopefully sometime in between that, we'll have some new movies to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, this is this is an exciting new project for us. I, I think it'll give us something to do. Um, so, like we said last time, we're starting in the Pierce Brosnan era. I think it's like pretty appropriate for us because, like, 
I don't know about you, but I'm, I think I would probably say either GoldenEye or one of the, the Pierce Brosnan ones was probably the first James Bond I ever saw. What about you? I would agree. I would agree. Um, so, you know, it's we're kind of going in order of, like, our experience through them. And I don't, and there have definitely been some that we haven't seen before or I haven't seen that will feel pretty fresh. Um, and uh, But, yeah, it, it just – this feels like a, a, a cool little adventure to go on. Um, so with that, let's talk about GoldenEye, uh, which is also available on Netflix. So if you haven't seen GoldenEye in a while or haven't seen it ever, go watch it on Netflix and come back and – listen to this podcast yeah uh, i think that would be a great thing to do um so goldeneye came out in 1995 it is the first uh james bond that came out with uh actor pierce brosnan uh at the helm at, or at the role of james bond uh he went on to do it in a few other movies he uh played it uh four other times so you know, compared to a lot of other Bonds, you know, not as many as, you know, maybe Roger Moore or Sean Connery, but definitely some good entries. And I think this one definitely is. What do you think, Frank? I think this was, was really good. Um, I, I could see that they did a little bit of a, like a minor reboot in that, like, it had been a several years, I think. Well, the last one was maybe 89 or something. Um, so it had been a little while since James Bond was in, in the cultural zeitgeist and, uh, they wanted to recapture it, and you know, obviously people loved it because they came out with a new movie like every two years for for a little while there. Um, I yeah, I think it's a really fun uh, James Bond. It, it feels a lot like old ones to me. Like it has all of the you know the standard practices with you know with the 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 gadgets and the bad guy and and the girls and the locations and everything. Um, and, uh, you know, for his first entry as Bond, like, I, th- I think he he plays it kind of um, – he doesn't go too overboard yet, you know? No, I think this is a good, you know, starting run. You know, like, I think he's, uh, he's funny, but he's also uh, very um, – uh, polite and dashing, and he's got a good uh, sense of uh, joy. Like you can see, like he's a, a Bond who's having fun, you right. know. Like, and that is something that's different from, I think, you know, maybe um, the way that it's portrayed by Connery and and uh, Roger Moore, and that it was more like they were, you know, trying to avoid, you know, certain death. I don't think. Like it, you can't see that at any point Daniel Craig is having a great time. Like, <laughs> no, he's you know, miserable like, all the time. <laughs> he just looks like he's mad. He's very upset, and he, you know, he wants to get out of there so he can go home and have crumpets or whatever he likes to do in his spare time. I mean, he's married to Rachel White, so like that's pretty cool. Wow. Um. So yeah. Uh. I the the movie starts off. Um. I, at first, I was like. Try. I. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I was like, wait a second. I thought that this movie, you know, came out in the '90s. Why are they still the, with the USSR? And then it's like, okay, there's a time jump, which is correct. There's a nine-year time jump in this movie at the beginning. Um, yes. Uh, which covers the. It gives them the opportunity to to still connect to the Cold War. So for, um, the, pretty much all of the James Bonds beforehand, existed in, during the Cold War, like. They were able to get uh, people's attention that way and then be like, okay, it's also now modern day a little bit more and uh, 
dealing with a little bit of the aftermath. Um, and uh, I, so <laughs> I, I know when we, we were talking about brainstorming this, the, this series and how we were going to do it, like it's impossible to talk about this movie without talking about the video game and my experience with it because the video game mostly I think people would play the multiplayer and you just do that constantly. But there also is a single player campaign that loosely follows the plot of the movie. And so for sure. me, like I definitely went through the whole thing one time or twice or whatever. But other than that, I think I restarted the game like a hundred times. So like the opening sequence of this movie with the dam and, and uh, like the, the plane and everything like that was all very like, Oh wow. I, I remember this so vividly in very, very poor graphics. <laughs> um, and uh, the other thing that was one uh, with the video game, they take all of the sound effects from the movie, like all the gunshot sounds and the footsteps and everything are sound bites from the movie that they put into the game. So it's like every time there's like a, a gun that ricochets off of a wall, it's like that was in the, the video Wee! game. Yeah. And so like I'm watching this movie. I'm like, this feels so familiar in such a different way. Um, because obviously the the game was such a, a huge thing uh, two years later, really. Um, but it was less connected to the film. It, it became sort of its own entity. Yeah, it, and the game, you know, has this whole other nostalgia, you know, to it. It's crazy that the game came out almost two years after the movie did, and uh, it's it was still like hugely relevant and popular for years afterwards. Uh, I really appreciate. It, I really appreciated all the codes you could put into the uh, GoldenEye game and unlock some of the great, uh, you know, characters. You could play as Oddjob or Jaws. Yep. Uh, it was really, it was really cool. Um, I wish that they had unlocked like other bonds. That would have been a cool thing to have in that game. But it was, it was fun. You know, you had all the cool, crazy uh, guns. Uh, the RCP ninety, I remember being one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you could unlock the golden gun. The, that was yeah. a fun level. Yep. Uh, yeah, I it was it it was cool. It it was part of a media blitz that became you know kind of this new modern Bond. And I think that like kind of brings us to like what you were saying about before is that they had to bring you have to bring at least in this movie part of the the uh, you know Soviet Union into relevancy and kind of show kind of the bridge between where the USSR falls and where James Bond can kind of continue. And these films, kind of, I think this film in particular kind of does that very well. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas from Casino Royale, I remember is very, is very different. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, the beginning, I think the Bond opening is very good. I, I think, you know, it definitely has uh, some fun, st- the stunts of, you know, running down, uh, you know, jumping off the thing and he's, you know, shoots the gun and he falls into the thing. Like, that's great. Like, the the damn sequence is really excellent. Yeah, um, it is. And, and it's like, at first you're like, wait, is this him? And then you you finally get that shot of him and it's like, okay, yeah, he's, he's uh, really, esca- you know, escaping in this moment. Um and and the other thing, like I totally forgot what the the titular Golden Eye was. I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> so it's a it's a MacGuffin. Well, I always thought Golden Eye was the name of Ian Fleming's like resort in Jamaica, huh. which is like his like hideaway place that he got from the British government. Hmm. 
and he like he that was his like hideaway. It um, may or may this not is be. Also, <laughs> yeah, uh, this is also his um, the first uh, James Bond movie to like not go off like an Ian Fleming book plot. Mm. This is like something totally novel and new. So I think it's a mixture of those two things. Like I think it's one, it's like an homage to this, but it's also like it's totally, you know, novel. And the the plot of this movie is is not super complex, but it is also very complex at the same time. How do you feel about that? Um, I, yeah, I appreciate the, that the the plot wasn't too hard to follow because I, I was actually getting a little nervous in the beginning there that I was gonna it was gonna lose my attention or focus because of too many complications. And it, it's pretty straightforward. Like it shows Bond and. Uh, Alec Trevelyan, uh, 006, on this mission at, in the USSR. Um, and it seems to to Bond that uh, the only way to escape is to to blow up the base and, and to do some ridiculous... Okay, there's one stunt here that was absolutely insane. When he is on the motorbike, dives off the cliff oh, to get yeah. into the plane. <laughs> how did you... Like, that's not how physics works <laughs> yeah that was really that was pretty absurd but it was it, it's very entertaining to watch oh, yeah. it's also models i like i appreciate that it's before cg like yeah. these are still little planes <laughs> and little yes. things there's a lot of really great model work here uh the explosions yeah, of, miniatures uh, like of that uh that base that he blows up um with the south and the satellite at, at one point too so um but basically, we we pick up later with um, the evil guy that uh, the evil Russian guy Oromov that was hold, <laughs> holding uh, Alec at gunpoint and, and shoots him allegedly, um, uh, and he breaks into this this base in is it Siberia? Is it just somewhere in in the USSR or Russia? Yeah, it's some place in northern Soviet former Soviet Union. Um, and, and basically as this, like, uh, it's allegedly a test, uh, run or whatever, but they, they break in, uh, him and, uh, Famke Jansen break in. On, uh, on a top. Uh, on a top. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and they steal the golden eye, um, equipment, I guess, and, and use it to blow up that base to destroy any evidence of, so I think this is still, like, an example of, like, we were still thinking about cartridges and, like, floppy disks. Yeah. And, like, the GoldenEye has to be some kind of, you know, overly exaggerated big zip disk, you know? Yeah. Like, so, ultimately, I think it's a very stupid MacGuffin, but I I do agree with you that it, you know, it has to be something. <laughs> you know? Right. But it, it ultimately connects to a actually pretty cool weapon, um, that like right. it, it, it is a little bit of the time of um, it feels fresh and new in the 90s but like at this point it's like how many like crazy EMP devices have we seen in, in movies now but like oh, it like yeah. totally wipes out this base um, but not in a like oh it's just gonna blow up it's like the electronics like all fritz out and cause fires and explosions within it's like this chain reaction that happens and ultimately, there are only two survivors, the, the Natalia character and Boris. Um, and so we follow Natalia throughout and, and uh, her against uh, Xenia on the top and, um, and her escape of, of that. And, and basically, 
we we pick up with Bond uh, later on, uh, and it, it, it basically it's it seems that his uh, interactions with M are still pretty fresh, and that he thinks that uh, a lot of the um, basically that the way she works is a little too by the numbers and not uh, by the gut instincts that he follows a lot of the time. Yeah, so I, I wanted to kind of talk about, uh, you know, before we got to... This movie kind of has two openings in a way, yep. in that you have, you know, the, the cold open, the damn sequence, and then you have this great sequence with, I don't know how Pierce Brosnan gets it, but he has the DB5. And he's fucking racing around in what looks like Monaco. Yeah. Uh, and he's flying around, and then he races uh, Famke Jensen in a pretty thrilling and interesting scene. But it also kind of brings Bond a little bit forward in that he's supposed to be having this HR, you know, review. Yeah. And he's totally, you know, hitting on this woman and, uh, you know, ends up, you know, wooing her in, I'm sure, more ways than one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bond, then not satisfied with himself, goes and plays a hand of Baccarat, as Bond is wont to do, uh, against Famke Jensen to learn about what she's doing and where she's going and kind of her whole thing. Right. So You get the shaken, so, not stirred, and then she's got, you know, straight up yeah, with the twist. You have to re- yeah. yeah, you have to reintroduce Bond to the, the world and the way all the things that Bond has to do. He's yeah. got to get... He's got to get laid, he's got to play cards, he's got to have a drink, and then he's got to like do a little bit of sneaking around, yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of it. Um, so, one other quick thing before we, we get uh, past the, the casino. Um, obviously, pretty much every Bond movie starts with a title sequence um, that is usually very oh, sexual yeah. um, and has the titular Bond song. And so this one, I was like, I'm like, who is this? I can't really figure it out. And then at the end, it's, it shows it's Tina Turner. I'm like, okay. that's. So. But the song was written by Bono and the Edge. Oh, was it? Yes. Interesting. Okay. Isn't that wild? That is so wild. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's one of the worst Bond songs ever. I was waiting to talk about the music, but if you want to talk about the music, we can do that. Sure. I, I didn't remember it before hearing it so i you know it's not memorable at all um it it's such a weird like golden eye <laughs> like oh it's just terrible yeah. it's really it's really quite horrible and i think they kind of corrected for this in other movies like casino royale and that you don't necessarily the song doesn't necessarily have to be the name of the movie right you know <laughs> yeah so like i think that they do the chris cornell song in casino royale i think is one of the best modern ones in a while mm-hmm. also adele i mean we can we also billy eilish i mean huge huge single but uh, this one i think is easily if we're going to rank them this one's definitely in the bottom for me right now yeah. i don't think there's anything that could get worse than this yeah. Uh, you know, to me, this is like, it's bad. Tina Turner is, I, at this point in her career, she's a lot older and just like not singing this with any sort of feeling at all. Yeah. She's just like, golden eye! Yeah. It's like, like a sick kitty cat in the fucking cellar. I don't know what's going on over there. Yeah. Okay. Also, the visuals are like, the visuals are cool. Yeah. If they had, um, uh, you know, Maybe mixed it, done a little something a little bit more subtle. I don't know. Uh, it, it, it's very reminiscent of like a, a Michael Jackson music video to me. Oh yeah, totally, uh, um, totally. And then if we're gonna talk about that, a good segue into uh, the music of the film. 
Um, I also hate the music of the film. I think it's so dated. Uh, and I think one of the things about Bond and about movies that I think is really important is that when you do movies, you keep the traditional film score as close to you can as possible. And we don't throw in these weird synthesizers and weird hi-hats and drum machines and oohs and ahs and whatever those noises are yeah. that were also in the video game. Yep. Like, whatever that synth sound is, I hated it. And it so dates this movie terribly. Because when you kick in to the sequence where Bond steals the tank and you have the classic badass Bond theme kick in, it's timeless. Yeah. Right? And it becomes an, it becomes the best scene of the whole movie. You know? And I, I think that uh, they... I hope that we see in other Bond movies... I'm curious to see what happens in the next one, really. <laughs> uh, that... You know, the, I do really care about uh, preserving the timelessness of Bond, and I think one of the easiest ways to date him is to use one of like the sounds of the times to try to emulate that into the the soundtrack. What do you think, Frank? I'm sorry, I went on too long. No, 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 no. You you bring up a good point. Like it was to me, obviously, it was very distracting because, like I said before, with like the sound effects of the the weapons um it like brought me to the video game and it's like and that works and that ambiance works in a video game but in a film it's very distracting <laughs> um so yeah I, I didn't really care for it either um and yeah we'll see i hope i hope maybe they go back to more of the traditional soundtrack in the next couple uh pierce brosnan ones um Okay. So what do you think of Pierce Brosnan as Bond? Like him, like walking around in the casino, like that whole moment. What? Where, how do you stand on that? I I really like him. I mean, yeah. I I think, like we said at the start of this, like he was our first Bond. So like, there's always going to be a level of nostalgia there. Um, like to me, he feels right. Um, at least in this one, it, like he, um, he's got that perfect level of like suaveness but also um you can believe that he's like pretty crafty and um i don't know like i i like i like him in in the casino i like him uh like in some of the action sequences he's pretty good um i think yeah some of some of the stuff like with with the women it's kind of like a little bit too cheesy but again like to me i'm like and i can't wait to as we discuss uh, the comparisons, like this movie is the first one to be spoofed by Austin Powers. Oh, sure. Oh, for sure. So like a hundred percent, like I can't watch this movie with a straight face anymore because of all of the things that have been spoofed off of it. Like on a top. Okay. Like, uh, yeah. I've on a hump a lot and uh, a lot of vagina <laughs> and like, well, like, but on a top, like, okay. So now we on a top, we, we got to stay on a top of things. Uh, so, <laughs> All right, this comes from a long line of evocative names in James Bond movies. Let us not forget Pussy Galore. <laughs> you know, there are other ones I'm sure that we'll see down the line that are way more offensive too. Sure. You know, there's, uh, and I think it's very... Uh, <laughs> um, this one is very um, modern, you know, uh, you know, in that when you see her, you know, kill these dudes, she's usually on top of them. Mm -hmm. And you know, strangling them and being very S&M, like, that's very, you know, uh, I think, underlying current of her character. Sure. Um, and I think it's kind of cool. And I want to say that before we got to know Famke Jemsen as, uh, you know... Jean Grey. Our, Jean Grey, like, this is her, kind of our first entry with her, 
And I think every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, that's her. But this time it was like, oh, wow. And she's great in this movie. Yeah, she's deliciously evil. It's great. Yeah, she's awesome. She's uh, she's tough. She's uh, She hits hard. You feel like she's really, um, you know, in it. I, I like her accent is passable, I think. <laughs> it gets passable, uh, yeah. And it's know, like, yeah, she's hard. She, like, she bites his lip, like... And, like makes him bleed like holy crap <laughs> yeah it was pretty intense i yes i do like famka jensen she was a good uh odd job like character for jaws like a good female version of that an adversary that bond has to you know contend with mm-hmm. you know that he's does hasn't had to contend with before um okay uh so i want to talk a little bit about uh sean bean um sean bean as it were, would be the main antagonist to this film. Would you agree? Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a not a bait and switch, but it's it's definitely a twist about yeah, halfway through. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's good. Um, you, I mean, he's he's great in the beginning because he's kind of also that like charming guy double double o agent and so it's kind of cool to see them play off of each other because i don't think you get that all that much but for the twist to happen and to find out that he's been kind of pulling the strings all along is really really good um and like you know this is sean bean pre game of thrones pre lord of the rings so like you know this is kind of the the one of the first times that we're gonna see him die because <laughs> yeah that's what he's what's he, what he does a lot of the time he dies twice. He does die twice. <laughs> he dies twice. Um, this movie should have been You Never Die Twice. Uh, so uh, He guy, almost dies three times, actually. That's true. Um, but he's, you know, I like him, but throughout this movie, and I don't know if you had thought this, throughout this movie I kind of was thinking, you know, Chris Brosnan's okay. Maybe Sean Bean would have been a really cool James Bond. Hmm. And I think that he definitely has the swagger and the acting chops to pull off what they kind of did with Daniel Craig in that they gave him some like vulnerability and they really broke down what they were doing, not to distract from the main topic at hand. But I think Sean Bean, you know, despite all the Remington Steel stuff, which is a show that Pierce Brosnan was on in the 80s, that was kind of why he wasn't in the Timothy Dalton ones. I think he was going to be in those movies earlier, but due to Remington Steele, he ended up being in, uh, you know, um, Goldeneye at this later time. Uh, I think um, after watching this, I could totally see a Sean Bean James Bond. An alternate universe where that that happened. Yeah, I could see it. I mean, I, I think especially now knowing, like, kind of his other credits to date, um, you know, he could have totally, totally pulled it off. And like, you know, you get him as a double O agent here. Um, so you can see it. Like, you're not too far off. Yeah. You're not too far off. Right. Um, but ultimately I think like he does a better job of, of being the guy with the, the haunted oh, pass he... than I think Pierce Brosnan could have pulled off. Like if they like had switched roles completely, I don't know sure. if, uh, Pierce Brosnan could have been that, that bad guy. No, Pierce Brosnan is a good bad guy, but he's uh, he's not menacing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Pierce Brosnan is kind of a cold kind, you know, he's not super you know, I, I don't have this fear that he's a crazy man. You sure. know, like he, he's 
<laughs> you know, he's not a, a ven- he's not a fierce killer. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, okay. Uh, so we talk about Sean Bean. We talk about um, uh, oh, we didn't talk about Alan Cumming, um, who's also in this movie, uh, and I think his accent is really bad. But he's <laughs> I am invincible. He's comic relief. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's interesting that like this is still an era where they hired a bunch of British actors to put on accents in like every role. Yep. Um, you have Valentine, who's played by uh, I think his name's Robbie Coltrane, who's Hagrid. He's not Russian. Yep. Um, <laughs> Like okay, whatever, just go with it. Um, he's he's a cool, like, mildly bad character. I, I I always love when Bond like pairs up with a like a questionable guy, <laughs> like, but like ultimately gets something good from him. Because um, like I don't know, they ha- that's a cool interaction. That little interrogation scene between Valentine and and him uh, trying to get what, what's the, what's the code name that 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 they go by for. Um, 006, it's like, not Yentl, but like, <laughs> Yanis, maybe. Oh, Yanis, uh, I thought it was, his name was Alec Trevelyan, right? It's Alec Trevelyan, but when, they, when they're looking for um, the guy that's pulling the strings before we know it's him, I think it's oh, like, should, I need to be introduced to, I think it's Yanis or something like that. Yeah, Yanis, the useless, stupid name, didn't like it. Um uh okay so let's talk about the, i think the two standout scenes here which i think are the best is the train sequence and the tank sequence mm-hmm. um do you have any disagreement with that no but i totally forgot about them i like didn't remember them at all um okay which so is kind of so crazy the train the tank sequence goes on for a long time the tank sequence i think is is really awesome you can see that pierce Brosnan is having fucking blasty blast yeah. And it's so cool that they're shooting it in Russia. Yeah. It looks totally different than any other James Bond movie. And while they're doing this, they're smashing shit. And there's, you know, there's police chasing him. It's very cool. It's, it reminded me a lot of, like, Batman Begins and, like, Dark Knight. Like, it was cool to see, like, the tank, you know, running around, you know, a major city and, like, what you could do with an actual tank. Yeah. They're pretty awesome, you know, pieces of machinery. Uh, I, I really liked it. And I think with the score, it really makes for a memorable action scene. Um, and then it really kind of, it does have a really great building crescendo. And then it brings you to, you know, arguably one of the best, uh, video game levels, which was the train. Um, the train was huge for the video game. You know, it was both the multiplayer level and it was also the hardest level of the game. Right. Yeah. The, the train is a really cool sequence because you got like a, a bunch of different aspects like kind of all tied together. You've got, um, you know, the, the interplay between uh, Alec and Bond. You've got um, some more right. of the computery stuff. You've got um, the laser watch. Yeah, it's it's really great. Um, and and then you've got that really cool moment of like the the helicopter, like flying out of the train and him being like, I've given you six minutes, but Bond's like, no, it's actually three. Um, yeah. That's really good. Um, and then like, they totally stupidly don't run away from the train. They just run alongside adjacent to it and then they make out. Right. That, that was weird. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I don't really love Natalia in this movie. Um, yeah. 
I I think she's like kind of I don't think she's my favorite Bond girl. I don't really um one, I think her hairstyle's very dated. Sure. Um two I don't think she's a very good actress. I think she's a Seinfeld girlfriend at best. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and I think that she just doesn't... I like that she had advocacy. I like that she, like, you know, was leading with Bond. I, you could see that they were trying to make her an integral part of the story as well, and I liked that. But yeah, I I don't... I didn't love her. I Yeah, I think it's good that, like, she had something to do with, like, the computer stuff. And, you know, as a foil to Boris, who how who was like, oh, yeah, she doesn't do anything. She's like, I don't remember what he called her, but it's just like a, uh, I don't know. But but ultimately, any time that they were running and and away from the bad guys and jo- James Bond is shooting at people like she's still like damsel and distressing. Like they they at no moment give her like that i think towards the end they're like do you know how to use this gun and like he finally gives her a gun it's like okay if she knew how to use a gun why didn't she use it all movie at this point right mm-hmm. um but yeah she's just she's definitely a little bit forgettable um but she's i think she does an okay job but i think it's hard when you have someone like famke jensen like as the counterpart kicking ass, kicking ass and um, yeah yeah um she's who you want to watch yeah um, okay, so the climax of this movie is pretty cool. It's only the, the you only get one shot of him with the car, um, and I think before we you know talk about anything else, I think we have to talk about how the original cinematic universe you know uses this one guy Desmond Lewin mm-hmm. as Q yep. to connect everybody. Yep, and it's fucking doesn't skip a fucking beat. <laughs> it's also like part of, probably one of the most comedic parts of the movie. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and he always was. Yeah. So that's great. Um, some new gadgets, uh, things that will come into play, like the pen with the three clicks. Yeah, good ga- relevant good gadgets. Yeah. You know, uh, you know the, the pen grenade I thought was really nice. You know, not you know so out of left field for Bond. I like this car. I think this car is very cool. Yeah. Um, but they don't use it enough. Nope. Um. So a little bit underused. Uh, I don't know. I, I love Q, and like, and you get to see Q and and uh, experience him for the first time. You know, with with Pierce Brosnan, and it looks flawless. And I think really who I love more than uh, uh, anything to come out of this new franchise is Judy Dench's M. Of course, I think I think she's fucking awesome. She is awesome, and and like you said, it's another way that things get bridged and connected in that she continues to portray M with the, the Daniel Craig movies, even though it's pretty much a reboot, um, which I think, right. But it's also, decision. But, but bond is a reboot person. Like yeah. he's a re he's a reboot agent that just gets rebooted. You assume the, the, the identity. I don't think it's that, you know, you know, We've we've seen it as it's like oh well this guy he was born James Bond and he's James Bond that's how they play it in the movies but in the reality I think it's like everybody's their own James Bond they're their own guy you know mm-hmm. and they've all existed in this universe as 007 until one of them dies or gets replaced. Uh I don't know I don't know I I think that's a debate we're that gonna, could go on for centuries but we're gonna see we're gonna see throughout the movies how as it goes on you know I just think that 
throughout like the first 30 years of them making these movies they weren't super worried about continuity and that it's just it is what it is it's just a new adventure and he's got a different face but like the backstory is still the same it's like you know he's an orphan unless it's like purely about the code name um but i think it's always been more that the code is 007 not like james bond and that he's like a Hmm. like that wasn't the name he was born with i think um it's also changed a lot you know they've had different m's throughout time you know uh and i think judy dench is one of the best performances she she has one of the longest runs yeah um you know considering you know her predecessors may have only been of one movie or well i guess bernard lee has the longest run from 62 to 79 right and well this this was probably she was well to date the only female m right oh yeah and they went right back to a guy with uh mr fines right um who i do like as m but we will talk about him in a later date um okay uh since we've gone on for 35 minutes is there anything that we've missed frank or any other salient points you'd like to discuss um so i love a, a, a bond movie that jumps around um multiple locations from the hot to the cold to the city sure. to so you know we get a little bit of london we get a bit of russia we get the cold side of russia um you know the the plane sequence is pretty pretty awesome um at the beginning but then uh then we go to cuba which um we have our like I don't know. I, he's not Felix Leiter, right? It's it's a different CIA agent. This is some kind. This is also a weird one. This is not Felix. Yeah. So we have that interaction, which is kind of interesting throughout the film. But he gives them this plane that they get to Cuba, and then they are looking for the satellite that uh, was buried in the uh, towards the end of the Cold War, where you know we're to believe that they're going to use again. Um, for nefarious purposes. Um, but and this is actually a satellite in Costa Rica, I think, right? Is this the in real life? Is it really? I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Perhaps. Um, but yeah, so like I, it's cool, but it's like they have the time to like take a break and like have a nice evening on the beach. <laughs> like, <I> yeah. <laughs> Chill out. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. That That's the stuff with, that you're going to get with Bond, like the, the moments where he's like, falling in love with this this woman that he's known for like 24 hours and then like we'll forget about in a week <laughs> yep um, uh so i don't know i i think the the they don't really reveal the plot of this movie until like the last 10 minutes yeah which i don't love for a movie because i feel like even though it's it's a simple plot and that we have to get trevelyan from point a to point b uh it also, it doesn't allow for, you know, k- kind of the grandeur of the kind of elements of movies we like now. You know, we like in Armageddon when there's a meteor shower and it hits that, you know, Hong Kong. And, like, we see the devastation of the larger plot taking place during the movie as we're going along. And I think to know more about what Trevelyan's plan was uh, from the beginning, I think would have been more... Uh, uh, Re, uh, had a better resolution mm-hmm. because I feel like you, yes, like he's part of a special. So to dive into exactly what the plot was, the the exposition of it all, my favorite part, yeah, um, is that he is a Cossack and a Cossack was a special part of the Russian army that was defecting against Stalin and it was supposed to be backed by Britain and then Britain said no and then they were ultimately all killed 
And his Trevelyan's father was one of these guys who then went on to be a double agent inside of MI6. When he comes out of MI6 and goes back, he then assumes his rightful place, you know, in Russia. Uh, to this point, he wants to hijack the GoldenEye to shoot an EMP at London to fuck up the financial markets and fuck up London for fucking over the Cossacks during World War II. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a mouthful, you know, so... Right, it's a lot, and they explain it in, like, a dark, like, graveyard-like setting. Um, yeah. When they first reveal that he's actually the bad guy, but we don't... I don't think we know until the end, like you said, that, like, oh, he plans on, sh- like, blowing it up to London. Like, what's the target? London, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I like I like the countdown. I like the this base will self destruct in five minutes, you know. Yeah. And then we have to deal with it, some kind of a ticking clock or suspense. Like to me, like it. This also is a very personal kind of story for Bond in a lot of ways. Yeah. In that the resolution of what he ultimately does to Trevelyan is personal. You know, it, he says this is for me. Like I'm killing you because I want to. Right. You know, like, I, could, I don't have to. I could take you in, and you could be processed. But I'm going to kill you because I'm making this decision as me. Which is kind of a weird thing for Bond to do. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know if I necessarily understand <laughs> where he comes from in that. But, um, you know, it was, it was definitely, uh, um, you know, once you finally get to the, you know, the resolution and, you know, you know, he's, he's killed this guy and the thing falls on him and everything blows up, you know, uh, and they're flying away in the helicopter. I'm like, wow, I guess, you know, they only complicated it at the end to resolve the story. And the rest of it was more of a character study of Bond being modern in a different way. Like, lest we forget the sexual harassment joke that uh, Money Penny says to Bond in the very beginning. Like, yeah. You know, this is a very modern Bond. They were trying to make him modern, and a lot of the ways they were trying to make him modern dates this movie horrendously. Um, but yeah. I, I don't hate it, you know? Like, I, I, I really did think that of the Bond movies, like, this is very watchable. Right. I've watched this movie several times. This is watchable. I've definitely caught it on TV bits and pieces before. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, I think because it's mid nineties and it's, um, only, you know, so far away, it's not like it, it, it is dated in aspects, but it's not like unwatchable. Um, and, um, as of the first century, um, with Pierce Brosnan, I think it's like a great selling point. And like, so the thing that happens with this is like, Mission Impossible comes out the next year. And then two That's years true. later, Austin Powers comes out. And so it's like this, it, it ignites this, um, like the spy uh, element back into the, the culture. And so uh, then they start competing with each other and one-upping each other and spoofing each other. <laughs> um, so it, it's, it's good. I, I yeah I didn't remember the elements of the plot like I knew that Trevelyan was the bad guy um, but it you know it's definitely easy to follow um, if you're paying attention I do think they get a little bit more complicated from here but oh yeah we'll see <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah okay um, anything else we want to talk about with this one um 
No, I'm, you know, I'm glad that we're going to start this project. You know, I think that, you know, it's incumbent on us that if we're going to, you know, discuss the Bond films to, you know, start with one that's close to our hearts, but also, you know, easy to access for the viewing public. It was so nice to watch it on Netflix. Click it on, click it off. I, uh, I watched my Blu-ray, um, and I, because we, by the time we finished it, it was getting a little bit late. I didn't really dive into any special features, but there's a lot of stuff in there. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Um, so that, Oh, I can't, I can't wait for the discs, yeah. man. I can't wait. It'll, it'll be good. Um, and so, yeah, so I think the plan from here is to, to wrap up Pierce Brosnan, and then we may take a little detour before going to the next Bond. Yeah, so next movie coming up would be Tomorrow Never Dies, I think. Yeah, right? with Lucy Liu. <laughs> oh, Lucy Liu. I didn't remember Lucy Liu's in this I'm one. I'm pretty sure she is. I thought this was Terry Hatcher. I think they both are. What? Oh, my God. All right, I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> are you excited? Um, I remember this movie not being great, but that oh, maybe... No, really? it, is just my memory. Um, Wait, doesn't it have a car? It does has a nice car, though, right? I thought. Doesn't it have uh, a wait, cool car? Wait, I'm, mis- I'm misremembering. Michelle Yeoh is in this one. Michelle Yeoh. Th- where, where else is Michelle Yeoh in? Um, she is... Um, well, she's been on Star Trek recently on Discovery. Ah. Uh. Um, but yeah, Terry Hasher. Jonathan Price is, is the bad guy. Yeah, fucking the the bad guy from Game of Thrones, right? He's the, yeah, the uh, the the high sparrow. High sparrow, yeah. Shit. Um, I oh, thought man. when was Lucy Liu? Is she ever in one? Am I mis- misremembering this completely? I don't know. We uh, hold on. Let's let's take a look. Let's see. Let's go to the videotape here. Obviously, she's Lucy in... Lucy Liu, James Bond. Lucy Liu, James Bond. She's. Yeah, she is. She's in Tomorrow Never Dies. Ha ha! She is. She's going to be in there. Okay. All right. That's cool. next. Tomorrow. That's next. Coming up. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, folks, it was really great hanging out with you and discussing our favorite badass spy from Great Britain. Uh, you can tune in and hear us talk about these uh, coming up for the next few months indefinitely. <laughs> Uh, please join us in our conversation if you have any questions, if you have any requests, if you have any insight into your favorite Bond films, we want to fucking hear about it. Uh, and you can send us this information on our social media, which is at LLH Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us at our website, which is www.longlostheroes.net. You can even send us an email, info at longlostheroes.net. Um, we will be there to absorb them and to take them all in. You could even DM us on, you know, Instagram. Like, why be fucking around? That's fine. Sure. Um, okay. Uh, thanks, man. Yep. Thanks, buddy. And uh, I might go play some of the game now. <laughs> Ooh. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.